In generations past, parents had the opportunity to learn from their parents how to deal with the issues of the day. Certainly things like music, literature, art, and politics changed over time, and scientific breakthroughs would shift the course of conversation, too. But change was much easier to observe. Shifts in our views on morality took time, and it was rare that the wisdom of the ages was ever thrown out entirely in favor of the temptation or whim of the moment. Not so today. Our culture is in constant turmoil. What we once held to be true is not being challenged, it's being replaced with the opinion of the day. And those once-held beliefs are having to get in line to fight to regain their relevance. So is it any wonder we need help with parenting and with giving our children a biblical point of reference for navigating life? Well, today we take a look under the hood of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis and by extension their families with our host, Trace Embry. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Our host on the program is the man who founded Shepherd's Hill over 20 years ago and still serves as its director, Trace Embry. Uh, I'm Rich Rosal, and you know, Trace, we've talked about uh, how the message we try to communicate here on the program is taken from the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill, and that we're merely trying to export what we learn so that parents can be intentional in what they do to raise their kids in mm-hmm. a God-honoring way. Uh, I thought you'd be the best person to go to to ask these questions, but uh, you rightly suggested that while you're kind of at the 30,000-foot level of what goes on here, it would be mm-hmm. better to bring in somebody who is on the ground every day with some of the kids here. So Absolutely. I'm going to ask you, we're, we're turning the tables, and today Uh-oh. you get to introduce our guest. Well, Janelle Cole is uh, the head of our, our girls' outdoor therapeutic program here at Shepherd's Hill, and she's been with us for several years now. Yeah, and seven and a half. Now. Seven and a half, yeah. really? Wow. Well, Janelle, welcome to the program. Glad to have you yeah, here. Thanks and, for having me. And this is a little bit different for all of us because, Trace, you're the one often interviewing the guests. Right. And, and I add my questions in every now and then. But today, I get to drive. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to interview the two of you and we'll see what's going on. Well, we have told the story before. And in fact, if you'd like to hear more of the full story about how Shepherd's Hill came to be, you'll find that on the Shepherd's Hill website. And you can get there at Help my troubled teen.org. But um, for now, give us the brief version, Trace, of why you started a residential program for teens in the first place. And I can only imagine something was happening in your own life that must have made that connection and led you here. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I've been seeing the culture transform since I was, you know, a kid. And uh, uh, particularly in my teens, things were rapidly changing long before uh, the internet or, you know, personal computers. Sure. And uh, as things started, uh, I'll say devolving, uh, morally anyway, uh, I realized that culture had a tremendous influence on the behavior of, of young people and, our, and what we valued and our attitudes toward things, uh, me being part of that bad attitude and bad behavior. So not that terrible. I wasn't a terrible kid. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, when the Lord got a hold of me, I mean, I was seeing this as a, as a secular heathen, right? So when the Lord got a hold of me, then the blinders really came off. And uh, as we went all, along in our Christian walk, my wife Beth and I, uh, we got that tap on the shoulder that he wanted to use us in ministry because I think there were some things that we were catching on to that he wanted the rest of the world to see. I, yeah. didn't, I had no idea it would blossom into a residential program for troubled kids. So we had our eyes open to some things and uh, just obeyed God. And as we obeyed the light he gave us, he gave us more light. And presto, changeo, here we are 
on a 200-acre facility that, that serves kids from uh, all over the country and around the world. And he's given us uh, in the neighborhood of 65 staff members here that yeah. have uh, helped fulfill this vision. And without them, we're nothing. We frequently talk about the cost of residential care and how expensive it is. You just mentioned 60 or 65 um, staff members, yeah. yet you house somewhere between 30 and 35 students at any one time. Yeah, right? we're licensed for 36, but rarely okay. do we ever hit that. So, uh, so we're talking ceiling. basically a two-to-one ratio of staff <laughs> yeah. to, uh, to students. Right. Now, they're, they're not all yeah. field staff, you know, a lot right. of our administrative staff, you know, but... Uh, it, it, I don't think people realize, I don't think our staff realize just what it takes right. to keep this, uh, this engine running. Well, describe, if you can, and Janelle, this may be where you have to jump in. Describe a typical teen who comes to Shepherd's Hill. What, mm-hmm. what are the things that parents are coming here saying, my child has just lit the house on fire or, <laughs> or my child just is, you know, what, what is that typical yeah. teen tend to look like? Well, because we deal largely with a lot of Christian families, the typical teen is a kid who has basically rebelled from everything that uh, the family values, uh, and the family usually values uh, life from a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Honor your father and your mother, you know, don't uh, smoke, drink, chew, or run with those who do type thing. And these are kids uh, who are suffering from some real, genuinely diagnosed disorders. And I think a lot of these disorders, uh, as genuine as they are, still come from the systemic cultural issues are rooted there, uh, and they, they, what was already maybe innate in them right out of the womb gets fueled, at the very least, from mm-hmm. what's going on in the culture. And, and, and Janelle, you might be able to speak more specifically to the things that maybe your, your kids deal with uh, under your watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I typically see probably about two kind of separate classes of, of students that come through. Uh, we see one um, audience where they have bot culture, uh, hook, line, and sinker, right. uh, give in to your temptations, whatever your body wants, give it, whether that be uh, drugs, sex, whatever feels good. And then we have this other audience where um, they don't necessarily understand uh, maybe social cues. They have issues with friends. They have issues with self-esteem, uh, self-harm. Um, they need taught maybe more of the, uh, hey, when this person's face looks like this, they're probably mad at you. Mm-hmm. And just talking through, teaching them those right. different kinds of things. So it's uh, teaching them how to deal with temptations or teaching them how to read um, social cues. Social cues and, I think and common lot, sense. Yeah, co- well, common sense in a postmodern world is no longer common. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of, I, you know, I attribute, and I don't have any hard scientific data to back up what I'm going to say right now, but I think there, it will come, that you're, you'll find that a, a lot of these these issues that you're talking about with the social cues are coming from digital technology. I would agree. Kids face in a screen. They don't Mm -hmm. know how to talk face to face and read. There there is no body language uh, on social media. Or eye contact. Voice inflection, right? Posture. I mean, all that stuff. So uh, I think you'll see more of that as time goes by. Well, I know both of you talk to students, at least in the introductory times, because, Trace, you, you're involved in meeting with the families and that sort of thing. And, Janelle, you see the students probably the day they arrive. Yes. Just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when they look back at their first days or weeks here, what have they said that that looked like from their perspective? Yeah, uh, that is one of my favorite questions or one of my favorite things to watch is just them transpire over the the course of a year. Um, A lot of times they uh, are like, 
they're able to go back and laugh about who they were that first day. Can mm-hmm. you believe I said this? Can you believe I did this? Mm-hmm. Uh, one student, uh, I have a Lexus and a Louis Vuitton bag. I don't need to be in a wilderness program. And <laughs> then I got a text from her. She graduated several months ago and she said, now I drive a Subaru and I have a yard sale purse and I love it and I'm loving <laughs> life. And uh, just, I love them being able to see, laugh about who they once were because uh, so many times uh they're so caught up in their emotions and my whole world has been stripped from me, my friends, I don't have technology, which they feel like is their, is their lifeline. Uh, they feel uh, it's a right. They should have a cell phone. They should have access to computers. And then just for them to recognize their own entitlement, their own um, kind of demands and be able to uh, just go back and see who they once were, that they're not anymore. Right. Now, this isn't the real focus of this particular program, but I do want us to pause there for a second because, Trace, obviously, when you started this ministry, you know, two decades ago, um, smartphones weren't even on the minds of anybody because they didn't exist. Right. They do exist now, and I believe you've said that over the course of time, you have seen the problems of digital technology enter into just about every student coming across the threshold. Yeah, Yeah, and if it's not a cause, it's certainly a correlation. It's a a fuel for anything that may have already been there. Right, and I I didn't mean to misspeak and suggest that that caused all the problems, but but to say it certainly does fuel and aggravate this. And, you know, as, as you as a parent are listening to this right now, I want you to think about how much access your child has to the Internet, whether it's through a smartphone or through the computer, and whether he or she is involved frequently throughout the day in getting approval from friends through social media or, you know, having enough likes on whatever the comment was or, you know, getting getting the proper reaction off of this. We're finding that kids these days, and many adults too, are getting their whole validity in life from whether they're getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down, metaphorically speaking, on social media. Yeah. Well, can I add on to that? Oh, yeah. Uh, We'll even ask students uh, if they don't get enough likes on a picture, they'll Mm -hmm. delete it because they're like, that's an embarrassment. Uh, I can't have that out there in the World Wide Web. And they'll... We'll just see them oftentimes, even if they're not looking at anything bad, they're just, they don't know how to handle downtime right. and idle time. And and where this comes back around, again, from a parent's perspective, by stripping away this digital technology and this uh, digital acceptance through social media from your kid, your child is then able to rebuild a sense of self-worth. Their humanity. I, I, I really think their humanness uh, uh, returns to them. Uh, and the kids will articulate that in, in different ways when we do our little Last Supper thing night before graduation. Uh, but I think what the computers are doing with our kids is, is, is they're robot, robotizing them. Is that a, a word? <laughs> they're, they're, it they're, is now. They're, redu- they're reducing them to an algorithm. You yeah. know, and, you know, I mean, kids are, are, are presenting themselves as a brand now. It's like they have to sell themselves mm-hmm. on, uh, to other people that they're worthy of being communicated with, yeah. you know, and, 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 and the people that they're trying to communicate with aren't really very oftentimes worthy of their communication. Half the time they don't know who they are, never met them, but they're their friends. Oh, yeah. And so we're back to redefining terms. What is a real friend? And I think it's really important that uh, parents, your kids, can define for you what a friend 
actually is. Right. Because I think uh, Google has uh, distorted that. Indeed. Well, a moment ago, you were both talking about the social cues that a number of the kids who come here miss. And I mean, I've I've seen that in my own kids at you know various times of development. Boy, you're sure not seeing the clues all around here. <laughs> right. But you know, we we all go through periods like that. But sometimes those periods are quite extended. And uh, Trace, you, I remember the very first time I came here to Shepherd's Hill, and you you gave me a tour of the boys' camp, mm-hmm. and you were explaining to me about the conditions in which they live. Yeah. And we've talked about this about the students living in the woods with no electricity, no running water. And to some, that may sound deplorable, may sound like you're running a prison camp. But describe <laughs> these camps for the parents listening. The the camps, let, let me try to give a little more of the, of the physical description of it. Like in the boy, I've not seen the girls' camp, but in the boys' camp, and I assume they're similar, there's a bunkhouse, if you will. And this is uh, built from, from logs that have been... Hand cut, hand hewn. Yeah, I mean, the bark right, is stripped off right. with hand tools. With draw knives. Mm-hmm. And um, while the platform that it sits on does have some real hardware that you yeah, might get that's from a, a big That's a real store. genuine construction uh, right. situation. Right. It's squared up. It's leveled. It's with plywood and, and two by uh, eight, I think. But uh, the rest, the, well, the rest of the structure is real construction too, but it's from a much earlier time. Exactly. There's, you know, lashing that goes on to hold right. the pieces together. Right. And I asked you about that. It's like, you know, isn't this going to come apart? And you mm-hmm. said, yes, and that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that— um, It'll be maintained. Right. You've got the bunkhouse. You've also got, like, a, a dining area. That, and these are, these are enclosed somewhat, but they're still out in the open, no, no electricity, no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember in the, in the old boys' camp, uh, the guys had actually sort of constructed some makeshift plumbing where they could they could bring in water and mm-hmm. put it in a tank and it would run through pipes and they could use it to wash dishes. Yeah. I mean, very inventive. But these yeah. guys are learning right. real hands-on skills. Mm-hmm. And this building that they're sleeping in may become the next building that something else happens in because the next group of kids that comes in is going to be building something else. So there's always maintenance yeah. and there's always construction going on. And, and they're, they're always part all, of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the girls, they just finished building uh, an outhouse, a second outhouse. Powder room, powder room. Powder it's room. A powder room. <laughs> but I have never seen a group of teenage girls so excited yeah. to build a building in the middle of the woods yeah. and go to the bathroom in, in the middle of the woods. And it is the nicest outhouse that you could ever imagine. They painted it. They put uh, notes on the wall and everything. They did a great job with it. Unlike the guys. <laughs> <laughs> but they're doing something that they can call their own. Mm-hmm. And this is a hands-on project and an ongoing hands-on project. And that teaches them um, group cooperation. Mm-hmm. And and one of the problems we see with digital technology is everybody becomes so isolated. Oh, yeah. And as you say, they don't pick up on social cues. Well, they also don't know how to work with other people. Well, it's all about self, too. I mean, I, yeah. I phone, I pad, I whatever, I slave. I mean, it's I everything. It's self everything. Yeah. And and they become the center of the universe, and that is not good for character. Right. And it's, it's something that is developed through the hard work. Mm-hmm. And I believe you've had many a student tell you, if you were to change anything at Shepherd's Hill, don't ever take away making us work with our hands and work hard. The kids will tell you that yeah. regularly. That's a common answer that you get from the kids when we take them on that, that last supper thing. You know, which one thing Shepherd's Hill can never stop to never stop making us work with our hands. And by the way, listeners, if you think that the gender binary isn't real, come to Shepherd's Hill and look at the distinguishing characteristics between the boys program and the girls program. <laughs> 
We need to take a quick break here. We're talking with Trace Embry, the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, and we're talking with Janelle Cole, who uh, heads up the girls' residential program here at Shepherd's Hill. We'll be back in just a moment with more conversation about what it is we're exporting through the gates. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherd's Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. A reminder, you can hear all of our previous programs at licensedtoparent.org. So if you want to dig in and hear some other conversations pertinent to being a good intentional parent, that's where you go. Again, licensedtoparent.org. Well, we're talking today with uh, Trace Embry, of course, our host and also the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill. But we're also joined in the studio by Janelle Cole, who is uh, head of the girls' Uh, residential program here at Shepherd's Hill. And as we've been talking about kids who are coming into the program, you know, once they're here and they're plugged in and doing everything they do here, what are some of the, the milestones you look for in, uh, in each of the kids to know that either progress is being made or maybe that progress isn't being made and, and you're not seeing change? What, what are the, the telltale signs? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of times we'll look for how do they respond when it's something they don't like. Uh, so will they be? Will they still respond respectfully? Will they open up a dialogue of, can I ask a question or why? Uh, versus maybe storming off, rolling their eyes. Uh, that's a very huge telltale sign of a, a major progress in the right direction. Uh, warning signs would be uh, we're watching for. 
inappropriate peer relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's forming, trying to form cliques, maybe more so on the girls' side versus the, the boys' program. But we are watching for uh, their peer interactions, staff interactions, how they're doing in school. Uh, very holistically, we're, we're looking at everything. And I I love that, that we do that. I love the way we operate. I feel like that's gives us so much opportunity for huge healing because we're not just looking at one part. We're working with the human being as a whole. And mm-hmm. so we're able to to take snippets from, from each category. How are they doing in therapy? Sometimes they're being challenged with really hard things in therapy and in their family sessions, and we'll see their behavior digress. Uh, sometimes they'll be doing making great strides in therapy, and then you see that translate over with their peers as well. And, you know, healing is not like this continual, you start from the cellar and you go to the rooftop over a period of a year. Yeah. It's really more like the stock market. You know, it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, but the, but it, not exactly like a stair step. Uh, sometimes there's crashes, right? Along I mean, the stock market, there's sure. crashes along the way. And, and those are all good things. You know, the, you, you find out what really triggers the kids, but... I think, you know, too, to, to piggyback on what she's saying, I think there's something to be said just for the countenance of the kids, just the, the glow, the spirit mm-hmm. that emulates off, the, off their, their faces and their body posture and just that gleam in their eyes. And I, another thing, too, is the questions they start asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, it's like the questions are all just they're kind of uh, uh, antagonistic and uh, rhetorical. You know, Yeah, they're trying to trap you into, into something. And at, at the end, it's like, you know, by the end, it's it's uh, they're genuinely good questions, and they're genuinely wanting to know. and uh, And the and the wonderful thing is, is we've been blessed with a bunch of people who usually have some pretty good answers for them. A lot of healing that takes place really is a heart change, it's not it's just a behavior change. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see both. If a person's heart has changed, but they're still acting out, then that's not good. How are you able to tell, and maybe the countenance that you just described is part of it, but how are you able to tell that there's been a genuine heart change and you're not just seeing a good actor who, who's you know saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done just to get through it and to get out of here? Yeah. yeah. Well, you want to take that one to know? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times the behavior leads to the heart. That's exactly uh, that, right. That's, they, you really can't separate the two. Uh, that at first, a lot of times they will just go through the motions. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want the consequence that comes with a bad behavior. So they'll just go through the motions. But as they continue to go through the motions, it feels good to be good. And they start getting an appetite for that. They start enjoying that and seeing the fruit that comes from it. Whereas before they had only experienced the fruit. And we've, I've heard kids say, everyone just expected me to be bad. So I was just bad. And then they get a chance to be good. And also, just adding on to earlier and what Trace was saying as far as the countenance, I, one thing I really love is just them being known for who they are, quirks, strengths, weaknesses. They are known and loved for who they are. Mm-hmm. We constantly challenge them to be better. We all need to be better and working mm-hmm. towards stuff. But they get a chance to love and be loved, whereas I feel like with the social media, with the technology, they're always wondering what to the depth of that is real Yeah, because it's always tailored. It's always yeah. adjusted. And, and to go back to that, the thought of, you know, what gets the biggest reaction on social media yeah. so that it gets the biggest likes or the yeah. biggest whatever. Well, that's not usually good behavior. Yeah, mm-hmm. The person who's always nice and polite 
isn't going to shine on social media usually. <laughs> Back at the beginning of the program, I was talking about how in prior generations, parents could learn from their parents and, and so forth and so on. One of the things that I remember as a child was being taught manners. You know, you say please, you say thank you, you... Mm-hmm. This sounds very old-fashioned. You stand when a lady enters the room. Take off your hat. In a you take off your hat, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of manners. But uh, but just the please and the thank you and the yes, sir, yes, ma'am, mm-hmm. these types of things, that has fallen by the wayside. Yeah. But but as as a, uh, a parent of an adult child, I've got nearly five adult children now, and um, uh, my oldest has two children of his own, and I'm watching him instruct my three-year-old granddaughter. And he's going through all those things, and you can see the difference it makes. Because mm-hmm. as she is polite, and we are polite back to her, that's its own reinforcement. Yeah. And people start, you know, saying, oh, you know, you are so nice. You are so polite. Yeah. yeah. Now, social media will never say that, probably. Right, right. Yeah. But people do. That's right. And that, that reaffirms it and makes mm-hmm. her feel better yeah. about herself, and it's it works. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to see it beyond myself because you know, I raise my kids that way. A lot of people say that's old-fashioned, and blah, 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 you don't need to do that. Let me tell you something. Those old-fashioned isn't outdated. Doesn't mean outdated. Uh, old-fashioned, a lot of good things we can learn from what we call old-fashioned. There's a subliminal thing that takes place when someone as a kid, particularly as a kid, when that brain is still, you know, has all that plasticity to it, uh, that, that that sinks in where that those manners do bleed over into heart uh, uh, issues as well. G.K. Chesterton once said. Before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up to begin with. Yes. And so there's a reason why those people in days gone by made their kids say, sir, ma'am, and please, and thank you. And we require that from our kids as well. And uh, I think that helps us in the healing process. Well, we have already exhausted a program, and we could go on more than this. I'm hoping that in a future program we can get some students in here to uh, share their perspective on all of this. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very grateful for being a part of the Shepherd's Hill family and that licensed to parent can at least be one beacon that takes some of this information and sends it out because our goal is to make you an intentional parent and uh, make it so that you can succeed and put us out of business so that you don't <laughs> need residential care and nobody needs residential care because we all learn how to do it right. Uh, so thank you both for uh, for sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Janelle. You know, we deal with kids every day here at Shepherd's Hill, and these are kids who do push back against everything, at least to the point that they enter Shepherd's Hill. Right no longer seems right. Up is now down. Parents know nothing. And to many of these kids, God doesn't either. Well, that's why Shepherd's Hill was started over 20 years ago, to help bring help and healing to troubled teens and to their families through the truth of Jesus Christ. In our remaining moments today, I do want to ask what you would do to save a child that you know who may already have made some bad decisions and as a result is in turmoil and doesn't see a way out. Perhaps you know the parents and you can see what they're going through, or or maybe you're that parent and you're wondering if a residential program might be the best next step for your child. Well, help is available and it's right here at Shepherd's Hill Academy, but may I say before you contact us, we need your help to help get the word out. Please come to our website, helpmytroubledteen.org. That's helpmytroubledteen.org. And you can find out all you need to find out about Shepherd's Hill Academy. And please tell other families about this as well. Everything you need to know to connect and talk with someone who cares and can help is right there. And that includes our online quiz 
that helps you determine if you need residential care. Let me also mention that providing residential care isn't cheap and many parents need your financial help. Your monetary gift in any amount could help a family that might not otherwise be able to afford residential care get the help they need now. If you'd like to support our work, you can do that at LicensedToParent.org. Just click the Donate tab at the top of the page and any amount will help. That's LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel. I hope you found today's program helpful and that you'll plan on joining us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.